Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Fast am I and welcome to Spotlight with me, Sarah Hendy. On today's programme, we're talking about the power of life drawing. We're back at the Isle of Man Art Festival and we look ahead to the Russian players' performance of Harold Pinter's The Birthday Party. Spotlight at manxradio.com is the email address if you'd like to get in touch about something creative you're doing and you can listen back to any of our episodes of Spotlight through our podcast on the Manx Radio website. First today we're discussing the power of life drawing with Suman Kaur, winner of the BBC's Big Painting Challenge in 2017 and Kat Harborn of the Naked Podcast who is in a rather unusual situation right now. So just to set the scene for you now Sarah, I am sitting in the middle of a makeshift art gallery. I am naked. I have just taken off my red dressing gown in front of a group of strangers I've never met before and had to say, hello, nice to meet you. You're about to see a lot more of me. So as I am speaking to you, I'm sitting in this chair and there are four people with charcoal and paper drawing. I'm sitting with my legs crossed with each arm on the arm of the chair fully naked. This is a bit different to what we do on the Naked Podcast in terms of the Naked Podcast is a series of candid conversations that we record in a private space. So either we go to the guest's house or they come to us or we record it in a very private space. So my co-host Jenny and I, we decided to set up the Naked Podcast to see if we could change the conversation around women's bodies and the idea that we should look or behave or be a certain way. And we thought, I wonder what would happen if we recorded these conversations naked. And I tell you what, the effect of being naked is fairly incredible. It sounds daft because people don't change. They're the same person with or without clothes. But there's a certain vulnerability to being naked I would say a certain a massive vulnerability to being naked because we're not used to it we're not used to seeing bodies that have stretch marks or have lumps and bumps the 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 vision that we're shown often of women's bodies is one of of perfection or or an ideal that we should look like or on the flip side it's on the front of magazines with what they call the circle of shame and and magazines circling imperfections or so-called imperfections in women's bodies so when we started recording the conversations we found very quickly that when people got naked they actually sort of settled into it and they thought well no this is me there's nowhere to hide you can't pull your top down you can't hide behind your clothes and the conversation naturally opens up quite quickly and people we have found tend to use the word remember more than any other it it somehow unlocks that that vulnerability unlocks a whole host of memories that perhaps people hadn't thought of before so I remember when and we hear all sorts of of different stories so there was a woman who said I remember when I started my period my mother slapped me and at the end of the interview she said you know what I've not thought about that for 20 years and the process of being naked it's daft as it sounds unlocked that for her so with doing these interviews and and being challenged. When I was asked to whether I would be a life model and nude model for an art class, uh, I was scared, I was nervous. I've never done anything like this. I didn't used to really like being naked and I'm not sure I love it now, but I thought, yes, I'm a size 16, I'm 13 stone. I have pride in my body and I think I'm happy to do this. And the person leading the class this morning is Suman Kaur. She's the artist. She's the winner of the BBC's Big Painting Challenge 2017. She's an incredible artist. And Suman, tell us why life drawing is important, especially naked life drawing. 
Well, um, I think it's really important as a foundation to introduction to drawing. So with life drawing, people just think that it's just drawing somebody naked. And yes, it is. But it's also understanding how line works, how shadow works and light works and how to represent that um, and use those rules to then create other pieces of work. And with figure drawing, it, it's an incredibly... Um, it can be incredibly intimate and a lot of artists um, develop relationships, professional relationships with their models and get to know them and then start representing who they are in the life drawing and it's not just about being stood there naked. I mean there's so many pieces of artwork that communicate such depth of emotion and such um, illustration of who the person is um, and in essence it's, it's a picture of a naked person. Uh. Before we started the Naked podcast, there weren't many people in my life that had ever seen me naked. And I never really liked the feeling of being naked. I thought it was breezy and I feel like I need to cover up. And I'm, I've not gone the other way and I'm not a massive exhibitionist now by any means. But I just thought this seemed like such a, a challenge and it seemed nervous. And there was a certain amount of humour to it, isn't there, of, of sitting in a room surrounded by strangers, completely naked. But Sarah, I tell you what, I feel very comfortable i did not expect to feel at ease this quickly i've literally just taken my dressing gown off it's right here next to me and it's not as cold as i feared it might be and it's not as potentially odd as i thought it would be because the women in the class here are very concentrated they are looking down with their charcoal in their hands drawing so yeah it's it's absolutely the first time i've done this and it's it's quite liberating i think would you fancy it? Would you give it a go? Um, do you know what? I'm, I'm not sure. It's something I'd have to think about. Um, you can get a lot of um, confidence from these situations because you're reminded that, yes, there are bodies who, who, that don't look like what we see in the media. Everybody's okay, and you're all kind of in the same boat, really. And, and Suman, it must be much more interesting to draw varied bodies um unlike that which we see in the media strictly and the different details about who they are that you can see in in their bodies with art it's um it's really subjective i think anybody can be beautiful um anybody can um be confident about their body so yeah i mean why can't a range of people be represented spotlight brought to you by the isle of man arts council Director Adrienne Sanderson and performer Jack Verity of the Russian Players join us now to discuss their production of Harold Pinter's The Birthday Party. Although we know this as a classic and one of Pinter's greatest works, it didn't have such successful beginnings, inciting bewildered hysteria when it opened. Yes, um, most of the critics, bar Harold Hobson of the Sunday Times, really slated the first performance, first production in the West End, and I think it ran for five nights only. Uh, Harold Hobson, was he recognised that this young playwright was somebody to watch and he would be talked about for news for possibly centuries to come. He sent something rather special and he backed it to the hilt. He wrote a huge article about it. And it's, as you know, since become one of the most, it is the most performed of Pinter's plays, which followed. Because that, that was over 60 years ago that it made its debut. And, yes. and yet it's still got that sort of, I've seen it described as um, a comedy of menace. It's Absolutely. got that really absurd, quite, um, quite confusing, surreal uh, feeling to it. 
absolutely. It's set in the most mundane, commonplace sort of atmosphere in a period that I particularly love. Uh, the late 50s, early 60s, I love anything to do with that period generally. And it's a condensed plot. It takes place over 24 hours. So it's really, really compelling. And Pinter's dialogue, nothing like it had ever been heard before on the stage. Um, And it's the mundane that becomes... uh, Little domestic objects can suddenly be imbued with real terror and menace. Um, It's just absolutely quite breathtaking. Yeah, it sort of begins as what seems like a quite sort of everyday scene. And yet as the as the play progresses, it becomes more, things become more and more alarming, really. They do. And they, some of the comedy in this is in the, um, the, the main female character, Meg, the owner of the guest house, of which she's very proud. She is oblivious to all this menace that is uh, unleashing itself and seeping into the whole thing keeping the audience guessing but you have this little figure of Meg fluttering through it all just dusting and talking about running out of cornflakes and that sort of thing it's it's quite quite spellbinding and unusual (laughs) yeah well it definitely sounds it and Jack what do you think Pinter was trying to where do you think Pinter was trying to take us with this what do you think he was trying to convey well (laughs) it the popularity of this particular play uh, is the fact that it has been relevant to so many decades. It seems to have had a revival every decade since it started in 1958. And today is no exception. We've got Brexit, we've got lies, we've got bullying, we've got all sorts of things. These are all the elements that are... Um, inherent in this particular play. Um, It is so... um, It's a mixture of genres. uh, Kitchen sink from the 50s, menace, absurdity. You know, there's Arto in there, there's Camus in there. It's a disturbing play in many respects, but at the same time it's got banality. Uh, and you have uh, politicians telling lies, you have uh, lies in this particular play, you have bullying, and it's got a wider appeal. It's got, you know, so much uh, so much research these days about bullying in the workplace, uh, bullying in the home, and also, if we look beyond that, we've got the bullying of certain countries, I shall name none <laughs> but we've got uh, countries that are bullying smaller countries because they don't particularly like the way they run as their neighbours and uh, you know you've got uh, Pinter did actually write this at the time with um, shall we say America bullying Nicaragua uh, that's a massive type uh appeal of of this play but it's it's a play about bullying and the consequences of this and how it can affect uh, the individual uh, the town the country and the world so it's a massive massive uh, significance amongst 
everything else and the serious issues that flood this play, it is also very, very funny with the blackest humour at times, but very funny. It's a whole theatrical experience of the audiences that will be on the edge of the seats at times. They'll be jumping out of the seats at times with shock, but they'll also be laughing. I'm playing, I'm playing an Irishman. I'm playing McCann. And uh, he's uh, a rather dowdy character, but he's also, he can be very funny. And uh, the, the, the characters were created by Pinter, by uh, him making a, a journey on a bus whilst he was down south. And he was listening to a conversation and the banal content of that conversation comes across with Petey and with Meg. And it's the the whole scenario of this very, um, shall we say, telling play comes across through the banalities in life. And uh, the characters are superbly crafted. There is a Jew who's friends with a Catholic um, there is a deck chair attendant who works every day of the year. Uh, it's a bit like a snow clearing officer that works. Everybody says, what's your job? He's a snow clearing. <laughs> but uh, he, he does this as a living and he goes out day and night. So there's an air of mystery about each and every one of these characters where the uh, protagonists Goldberg and McCann come from nobody knows but people they say that they are the devil and his assistant coming in to make play with uh, uh, reality I, I don't know but they're the all the characters are well crafted and uh, people will go home from this and think about the play and think about the characters and think, what was that all about? And uh, they'll come to different conclusions. Uh, Pinter himself um, is very difficult to pin down on what the play is all about. So we've got a very interesting play and a very difficult play too. I think about five years ago in the Easter Festival of Plays, this was the play that actually won the competition. It wasn't uh, a group from the island, so I can say it wasn't particularly well done, but they had a very good stab at it. And I think we are going to uh, have a good stab at it ourselves. Controversial. Just, just it was a smashing production. Ours will be different, but at least a smashing. Uh, I'm the director of it. And whenever Pinter was asked, lots of directors and actresses speak to Pinter, have spoke, used to ask him, what is the meaning of this? They were putting meanings into it themselves. And Pinter used to say, I don't know what the meaning is. So he doesn't. He just puts the words down and we can't mess around with those words or those pauses. We just do it and it just organically unfolds. And it's been a joy to direct. And all the actors have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed exploring their characters and the plot. Yeah. Pinter's got the, um, got the nickname The Walking Ear because he was picking up conversations from here, there and everywhere. And he's not only that, he's been compared to Shakespeare as well. So how can you have the, uh, the, the, the uh, juxtaposition of banal conversations and Shakespeare? 
Um, they are they're, they're opposed, but it's a fantastic play. And I do urge people to come and see it. Well, I can understand the comparison in that every every pause, every line is so very carefully crafted. Every word is weighted. You you need like as you were saying about not not messing with the script. No. I can I can understand what you mean in that sense. Um, it's something that we can all really look forward to. Remind us when yeah. you're performing this. Yes, it's it's on the sixteenth and seventeenth of May at the wonderful Erin Art Centre. Fabulous, intimate space for this sort of theatre. Uh, so 16th, 17th and 18th of May. And curtain up at 7.30. Mm-hmm. Um, where can we get our tickets? You can get them from the Erin Arts Centre. And uh, the box office is 832-662. I'm happy to receive calls myself on 466514. Um, and the Erin Arts Centre is on the website, um, so yeah. okay, so we can go online as well. Absolutely, yes. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. At the Isle of Man Art Festival, we caught up with textile artists Maureen Kenyuk at Castletown Old Police Station and Frances Boyd, who was delighted to be showing her work at Ramsey Courthouse. Oh, it's a lovely place. I, I Quite often, I normally do the Mananan. I think I've done it for three years now on the row. And Michael Starkey, lovely Michael Starkey, said to me, why don't we need to get somewhere in the north? Because I've never done one in the north. And people are always asking me, are you going to come to Ramsey and do one? So I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Michael said, I think we can get the courthouse. Do you want to do it with us? And I said, yeah, I jumped at the chance. And it's been fab. Everyone's been brilliant coming in. And it's just the response has been amazing. Really, really positive feedback, which is great. And it's where, it's where I'm from as well, because I'm based in Solby, so... Yeah. Oh, it's, it's lovely to kind of, like, I don't know, share your work on home turf almost, because yeah. it's uh, just makes that sort of sense of community that bit closer, doesn't it? But um, tell us a little bit about your work, because your display here is covered in such a variety of really gorgeous, kind of seaside coloured um, prints of fabric and, and also some banners you've got there and cards and things. Tell us a little bit about, about what you do. Well coming from the Isle of Man and I'm Manx as well so I just love the, anything to do with nature and the flowers and our lovely countryside and the birds and the sea so I'm really inspired by all that and that's where most of my inspiration comes from and I just sit in my garden and I just draw and then I, I get my inspiration have a motif or a flower or a butterfly or something and then I, I draw it, scan it into the computer and then I just go from there and I work, a lot of my work is digitally based so I do all the work on the computer colour it in, put it into a repeat pattern and then I create the fabric and then send away and get it printed Yeah. To go from a drawing to something like like the, the repeat pattern fabric that we can see here, it's quite a long process I imagine so so you, you manipulate the drawings that you, you scan in or something yeah. and um, what what kind of what kind of software do you use? One of my friends said to me because my background is textile design. That's what I graduated in. And she said, "You're a really good drawer. You need to sort of go more down the surface pattern design route." And I thought, "Do you know what? Yeah, because you can put a, a, a motif then can be turned a, a drawing can be turned into anything, and you can put it onto anything. It can be on kitchenware, table, you know, tablecloths. It can be." Um, 
tea towels. It can be on your, uh, your kitchen accessory tubs that you put your tea bags in. And I thought, you know what? It can, uh, a drawing could, it doesn't have to just be fashion, you know. And that's what we were we were doing at college. It can be put onto anything, and that's what I like. So it always starts off with a, an image and a, a motif, and then. It, I build up a collection of the motifs on, I've scanned them all in individually yeah. and I work with Adobe Illustrator yeah. which is a design package and I love it and, and there's Photoshop as well but I, I like Illustrator better and then I add the colour and manipulate it and make it into create different patterns and there's a pattern tool on there which is brilliant for doing repeat patterns which is ace and then it just all, it just all develops from there and I just love it, I love doing what I do yeah, yeah it's oh. fab well that's always that's always the loveliest thing to hear when you talk yeah. to people at events like this because we are we're all in it because we love it um but i i wonder also like how do you how do you select your fabrics because uh i don't know there's a lot of controversy about cotton and um where it's sourced and how it's produced and all of that kind of thing is there is there sort of a sort of conscious element to what you do yeah it's especially nowadays with all the plastic you know everyone's really with the environment so i do try and keep that at the in the back of my mind when i am choosing them but i use a brilliant company uh, across uh, called Printfab and they you know the fabrics they use all the dyes and everything all they're all really um Non-toxic, yeah, 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 bio, yeah, yeah. So I, I try and go for companies who are more doing that, and I try and not put as much plastic as I can. When I'm doing my cards and things, I, I'm, I'm very conscious of how I uh, put them all together, you know, with the finished yeah. product, and yeah. I'll, I'll use string or rope and bits and bobs that I've got lying around. So I'm, I do try and do the best I can for the environment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's clear from uh, from the the products that you've got on display here. I mean, a lot of what you create of sort of alternatives to plastic options, you've got your yeah. Um, tote bags and um, little sort of like cosmetic bags and things like that and uh, and little I don't know what you call these they're almost little like fabric storage fabric, fabric, fa- fabric yeah. storage baskets so they every time I do a show because people say what are they saying but they're just then they're there so you can like you said you're not you haven't got all the packaging and it's just nice to put things in but they can you reuse them and you can wash them and they're just recycled it's nice and my business cards as well they're, they're recycled t-shirt yeah, yeah. So I always try and go for, you know, try and do that just to do my little bit, help out. So yeah, amazing. Well, um, I mean, you're on display here at Ramsey today. Um, have you got any more festivals or um, outlets? I I'm based in Solby, and then I work from home because I, I do have a couple of other little jobs as well. But I'm currently at Closely's Farm, uh, which is an it's a, a new lovely cafe that's opened up uh, down the Patrick Road in St John's, and uh, so you can find some of my work is there with a. a a collection of artisans as well around the island there's a couple and it's local produce food as well there and a lovely cafe so you can find some of my work there and there's another I think there's more shows coming up in the Christmas I'll be definitely doing Christmas yeah. at the end of the year and there might be also I think the food market uh, and I've got lots of things in the pipeline as well uh, yeah so exciting yeah <laughs> and can you just uh, tell us what your website is if people want to sort of log on and have a quick look at the kind of work that you do yes yes it's www.francisboy design.co.uk and you can have a look at my website there and it has, it's got it's got a load of all my fabric designs and products which you can and people can pick and choose you know if they see a design that they like and they can just contact me I'm open for commissions or any projects if anyone wants to do yeah so get in contact yeah so Maureen we're here at the Old Castletown Police Station which was designed by Bailey Scott and you're doing some really exciting work that relates to that Thank you. Um, Yes, I'm turning a pair of Scene of Crime Tyvek overalls 
into hopefully a wearable art coat. So I've unsewn part of the overalls, I've applied some um, acrylic paint and I'm now applying the pattern with stitch and then I'm going to heat the finished product. That's a bit unknown, it can um, either melt away completely Hopefully it won't, um, but you could get some lacy effects and some textured effects, so that's, that's what I'm hoping for. Mm -hmm. You can get some really quite textured effects, quite crunchy effects as well with mm -hmm. the Tyvek. Yeah. And I mean, because your your theme um, matches in so perfectly with uh, well, the police station, but also the fact that it's designed by Bailey Scott, is this a project that you came up with the idea for, especially for this event? It is, yes. Um, so Kirsty Neat, um, Head of Curatorial at the Manx National Heritage, um, she suggested that perhaps some of the artists would like to use the police station um, theme uh, to create some work so I thought actually that would be quite nice and I've long thought about producing something for the wearable art um, mm -hmm. show every other year and never actually got round to doing it so I thought this could be the ideal yeah. opportunity especially seeing I've had these overalls I think in my workroom for years and never yeah. done anything with them but always wanted to do something with them so yeah, yeah. So. gosh that's amazing where did you get hold of them because you always see them on the films don't you where they've sort of um, yeah the pathologists turn up in their big white suits zipped up from top to toe um where did you find them well actually these were from work so uh, a, a chap came out with them um, i forgot what he was going to do now and i said oh that's tyvek i i buy this in a4 sheets for my textile work and he said oh you can have the overalls if you want so i've had them for years but i think you can get them in decorators shops mm -hmm. um general hardware stores i think sell mm -hmm. them so yes it's a very special building that we very nearly sort of lost from yeah. public ownership. Yeah. Yes, um, Manx National Heritage did a purchase. Uh, it is not actually owned by Manx National Heritage at the moment. It's still in the process of being transferred to them. Um, but they gave us the permission to use the building, um, which, which is wonderful. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's creating a lot of interest from the general public. So mm -hmm. it's been brilliant. Yeah, and I can't help but notice that the the colour choices you've made are almost reminiscent of maybe Archibald Knox's enamel work. Is there any insp inspiration coming from there? <laughs> that well, generally they're the kind of colours I like, nice bright yeah. colours. But they are very Archibald Knoxy, aren't they? In enamel work, and uh, Bailey Scott and Knox, they were friends, yeah, weren't they? Yeah, so yeah, yeah so yeah. it's a nice link, really. Yeah. yeah. And that's all we have time for this week. But if you want to find out more about today's guests and features, you can head to the Spotlight blog on the Manx Radio website where you'll find all of the relevant details and links. I'll be back next Wednesday at half past five here on Manx Radio. Have a lovely creative week. Slend you. <laughs>